0: What do I do?
1: What's up, guys? This is Corey Baker from Baker Forging Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2 by 72 is just that On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder, or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. Alright, next up, the Hustle & Grind podcast. What's up, guys? This is Corey Baker for Baker.
0: Jesus What's up, everybody? We got amateur hour back again. I'm your Butter host, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the like slidey touch pad on my laptop. It's weird. It doesn't. Anyways, I'm your <laughs> host, Ryan. Ryan Chaborn Knife Works. Here's always with Noah of the Antioch River Forge. And this week we got something a little different. We got Justin Taylor. And Justin, you are not a knife maker. Nope you're a carpenter of sorts and general contractor. Why don't you explain who you are, shout out your Instagram, let everybody know what you do.
2: Hell yeah. Well, thanks guys for having me. I appreciate it. This is actually my first podcast. Pretty, pretty stoked. Um, I am a designer, builder, fabricator, um, can check, check me out on, uh, Instagram as uh ESK lifer, um, my career kind of started out in, uh, the RV industry. I've been fabricating and building on uh, airstream travel trailers for shit. We're going on like 25 years professionally and almost Damn. 30 years, just overall general. And, um, that, that kind of led to my, uh, just fabrication, you know, background and design and all that kind of stuff. My, my father was big into, um, uh, the, the carpentry world. So I, I kind of grew up on the job site and, um, it all, that's pretty much where it started for me.
0: Nice. For the listeners go onto his Instagram and look at his work because your fit and finish is unbelievable. And Thank the work you. you've done, like you did, um, it was like a ski lift. Like, yeah.
2: Yeah. The gondolas. Yeah. Yeah their they're vent they're like
0: 1975
2: I think vintage gondolas is off of a ski mountain out in Colorado and uh, I one of my clients up here in Vermont wanted them for a, a experiential program where they they put them on for like dining dining pods So we got them sent from Colorado right to my shop here in in Vermont and we fit up the interior and made it look like a little tiny dining room.
3: So, those, are those stationary when they're being used?
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah, I put skits across the bottom so they could be moved around and stuff, but the interior was, like, designed to kind of match their aesthetic on their uh, interior of their inn. So, like, you step in there, the ceiling is the same, you know, it's got kind of, like, the same look and feel and stuff, so people that go in there are you know, wine and dine, they bring you out the <laughs> wine and the crackers and the cheese plates and all that fancy shit, you know, and the yeah. guys Yeah. They're, they're super cool. I, I kind of, I, I feel like a lot of stuff I do is like a lot of vintage stuff. So in the Airstream world, um, I've done a lot of like everything from like 1950s right through to 70s. I've done newer stuff, but a lot of the older stuff is kind of where, I originated and specialize in a lot of that shit. So, vintage metalwork, aircraft stuff—that's um, yeah, that's my jam. Well,
3: I've noticed Damn. you do a really interesting job of blending sort of those those vintage styles with a modern aesthetic. Like, there's a lots of textures and and tones that are more of a modern tone or a mo- more a modern, you know, looking. I obviously you can't feel something when you're watching you know looking at it on Instagram but you can tell it just kind of has that that overall feeling of being more modern but while really embracing that vintage aesthetic and it's not something that's easy to do
2: no hey yeah and I I I really appreciate that because you know a lot of the stuff that I build people people kind of come in they're like oh wow that's super cool you know cool thanks and it hits the road and it's gone and you don't really get a lot of that praise and appreciation from craftsman to craftsman, you know, and, and I feel like that's something that's, that's definitely lost and it makes the job so much more appreciating. Just like, just like with you guys, you know, somebody comes up to your booth and, you know, or orders a knife and they just, they just pick it up and they're like, oh, cool. That's great. You know, and you never hear from them again. And but, they're gone. You know, yeah. Those, those ones that really pick up your knife and they're like, Hey, you know, wow. Like I appreciate, you know, the cuts, I appreciate the detail, you know, all these things. And they're able to actually dig into it and tell you what they appreciate about it. It's, it. It makes all of our lives so much, so much more better and more enjoyable when it comes to that. I feel like really few people do that anymore.
0: It really it is, is quite guys. a thankless profession. Yeah. Uh, being a craftsman is, is pretty like you get that initial like, oh, cool. And then it's done. And
2: yeah, you're like, oh man, those, that was, that was a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears on my end. <laughs> yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's difficult for us, you know, we put, you know, I, I forged a lot of Damascus. So, I mean, I could put anywhere from 10 to 40 hours into one knife and yeah. then, then I ship it off and that's it. You know, that, that's the, that's the end of my interaction with the customer. Uh, but your projects are even better. Bigger. I mean, even more time consuming, even more life consuming. I would think. Even you know, when I'm yeah. when I'm thinking about a project, you know, it kind of consumes me. You know, I think about it, you know, while I'm eating dinner. I think about it when I'm getting up in the morning. You know, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to change, you know, this or that, or how the pattern's going to do what it's going to do. Sure. But you're working on stuff for. I mean, how long would you say like you're actually working on? Let's just say, for instance, um, one of those gondolas. You know how how long was first of all how many of those did you make and like how long was that project?
2: Yeah, so the gondolas um I did two of the gondolas and I want to say start to finish it was it was about it was about a month and a half to 2 months. And 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 the tough part the tough part about a lot of the uh, the small builds that I do and you know the vintage stuff is like listen, you're you're working in a tiny space.
4: Mm, you, uh-huh. you can't
2: get three people in there. It's one person at a time. So You really have to orchestrate, you really have to like delegate time and come up with a system on how you're going to do it, what you're going to do, because that's, that's all you get one person in there at a time. So yeah, the gondolas took me about two months Um, on average. I mean, I, I can, I generally, in terms of the Airstream stuff, I would turn over one Airstream every three to six months as an average good build. Um, the higher level stuff will take, you know, about a year, which to your point, you know, that's, that's a lot, that's hard. You know, you, you get pretty burned out after, you know, six months of staring at the same stuff and
3: unfinished
2: stuff too, you know, like you, it's not like you get to see a whole lot of progress until the very last steps.
0: Those gondolas are interesting. And it, it touches to a point that we had talked about last week. And mm-hmm. we were talking about knife makers marketing to restaurants, and don't yeah. and to maybe not market to specific employees of the restaurant, but to the restaurant itself, because these places are willing to spend money on things like these gondolas. Yeah, you know, or like in in. that
2: was a that was a really good point you guys hit on. I like that. I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, and that and what you did for them adds to it because you know they're little eating booths for. Their niche restaurant, yeah. and, and you know they're it. They're out there. Those projects are out there. If you're lucky enough to find one,
2: yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. You guys hit on some good points that last podcast in terms of like marketing and and the reality of Instagram and how we're able to reach different clientels. And it really is becoming more and more tricky to navigate that route. And like how how do you market? How do you get yourself out there? You know, because as we were just talking about, you know, like Instagram, just shut you down. Like Instagram, shut me down. You know, it does that to
0: a lot of people, especially
2: in the knife making world, because it's considered a, you know, whatever
0: threat or promoting you know, violence is what they say.
2: It's so ridiculous, You guys, man, come on. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> Not the garbage that's on the internet. It's like, come on.
4: Yeah. yeah. Really.
3: So that yeah, actually kind of brings me on to another point here. Sorry, Ryan. Um, you, you have a very niche, I would imagine clientele that's even more niche than even a knife maker. So how do you, how does your business model kind of work? Like, do you have custom builds that you do for people? Someone approaches you, they have an Airstream they want remodeled, or do you go out and purchase and then make what you want and then, and then sell it as is, or how, how does that really work? I'm curious.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a great question. That's like one of the most commonly asked questions for me too. Um, I, you know, I've been super lucky. Uh, my dad started doing this back in the early '90s, um, and that's that's kind of how I got my start on this whole thing. And he he got known really well for doing that, and and you know, I came thereafter. And I think just the word of mouth for us was was super super huge, and I I didn't really need to do any promotional anything for it, so when it came to looking for clientele, I never really had to do that. They they kind of just came to me wow. and I generally had a backlog for about a year to three years. Um, So yeah, to, to, I, I don't know how to, to overall answer that, but basically like when, yeah, basically there there's never been any rhyme or reason behind it. It's just like the name has been out there. We've been doing it for such a long time that, you know, it's it's kind of just filled its own shoes.
0: Almost like the niche is a benefit to you because there's really, so few guys who do it.
2: Yeah, it really is. And, you know, there's up until maybe the past 10 years, um, we, we were kind of the main people doing it. Um, there was a couple, I think when we started out, there was maybe like four other companies doing it. And they they actually came after my dad. So my dad was one of the pioneers in this whole thing. Um, and, and I just took sort of, he, he passed away in 06. So a long time ago, I basically took that and just took it to a whole new level. Um, he did it for people who had like chemical sensitivities, um, who are like extremely allergic to uh, petrochemical stuff like shampoos, perfumes, even, even down to electromagnetics and stuff like that. Um, so he, he actually helped a lot of people and he was chemically sensitive, so he could do that, whereas I wasn't, so I couldn't really do that, but I had the skill set to further that. So I took it to a new level and kind of did more commercial residential stuff, more on the high-end scale. Um, and that's that's where the fit and finish that you're talking about comes into play. And I just kind of took it to a whole new level on that, in that realm.
0: Yeah, I can imagine for you and what you're doing and the money that people are dropping on these things, they're going to they're going to pay attention to every little detail, every little transition, you know, where two boards meet. If there's any bit of a gap, they're going to notice it and be like, why did I give you all this money if it's imperfect? You know, Um, even probably more so for us. I'm sure there's there's flaws in everybody's knives that only we can spot, you know. And when you do one of these, yeah, the devils are in the details, but when you do one of these airstreams, is this a total, are you gutting them completely and starting from just a shell and working your way out pretty much?
2: Everything is brand new. When I, when I get them, you know, few people know like how the Airstreams work. Like you, you can actually separate them right in half. And in order to restore them properly, uh, the shell is actually removed from the frame. So we got a gantry. We pick this thing, this thing right up off the frame. We set the shell down, rebuild the steel frame, put new axles on it, new subfloor, and then drop the shell right back on top. And then goes the end in, in uh the end in, interior. So before you even get to being able to build this, you're already into two months of like just restoring, ripping apart, and making sure the uh frame and chassis is good to go. Wow.
0: Ground, Ground like nice. from the wheels up.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's a lot.
3: It's it's like a frame off resto mod. That's uh, it. <laughs>
2: yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like building a house and a vintage vehicle all at the same time. <laughs>
3: That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that Airstreams are really well known for is never leaking and just being one of the most weatherproof trailers that there are. That's kind of a lot of the draw to them, aside from the, you know, the, the vintage aesthetic that you just get from in the shape of an Airstream and the material. Um, when you're gutting these things, like, are you finding corrosion? Are you finding just like nastiness? Like, how, how bad are some of these things? I'm just curious.
2: Bad. Real bad. Really? Yeah. So I, one of the worst ones I ever got, uh, some lady came in and she was like, Hey, I just, uh, I just want to do some upgrades on the interior. I was like, okay, cool. You know? And I have no idea until the thing shows up. Uh, she brought it in and I walk inside and I walk around and I'm like, there's a lot of play in this frame. So I like Uh get up underneath and I look at it and I'm like, yeah, you're, you're, you're shot. We got to do a whole frame off restoration and to the point where once I removed the shell from the frame, you you had no idea but the frame actually bent in half and fell to the ground. Like the actual oh. shell was holding the frame together. So Oh wow. And they yeah. towed it there.
3: <laughs>
2: I that's exactly what I said to her. I was like, Oh my god, you realize how bad
4: this was. <laughs>
3: yeah yeah that's a that's a road hazard that's a health hazard that's a that's a whole bunch of stuff all in one
2: yeah man some of the things that i've seen that rolled in and out of that shop like it it makes you super uneasy whenever i pass airstreams you know any sort of rv really anything on the road it it makes you rethink how close you want to get to cars and all this shit (laughs) oh my god dude who built this? What's going on? You know, it's, it's bad. Some of the shit that comes through is super bad.
0: Wow. Yeah.
3: As, as a, as an auto mechanic, I, I get that to a certain degree, but it's just mostly with vehicles. I don't really think about trailers all that often, but yeah. I'll hear something go. I I live in a small town. There's there's some vehicles around here that probably shouldn't be on the road anymore. And I'll Ooh. hear them go past my house and I'll be like, are you for real? Like <laughs> I had this one, this one PT cruiser went past my house like it was like right when i first moved in here too so this was quite a few years ago but it it made me like rethink where i had just moved to because this pc cruiser drives by with the exhaust literally dragging on the ground like sparks flying just dragging on the ground the exhaust and i'm like this is i live in a very dry climate like wildfires are a major concern and this was in the middle of summer like it probably hadn't rained in like two or three months and it was 100 degrees outside and this person's driving around with their exhaust flipping sparks everywhere just dragging on the ground like like nothing's Damn. happening it's like <laughs> oh man
0: yeah, hard, you there. can just poke your finger through the body <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, that's, that's how Coast.
2: that frame was it was so bad
4: that's an easy you know thing.
2: even here's here's a sketchy thing too though and and uh, and i'm sure this pertains to also to your guys industry in terms of people who consider themselves professionals and, and don't really abide by, you know, just kind of any sort of form or, you know, they're just kind of considered hacks. Um, we've, we've had, uh, I, I came across an Airstream one time that was, that was built for, uh, this was a commercial venue. So sometimes we'll take the Airstreams and we'll We'll split the sides wide open. We'll put these big, massive, gullwing doors on them, and and, um, they'll go out for activations. For like, uh, we've done stuff with like Amber Crombie and Fitch, and you know, big, big name companies where they come in and they want an activation. So there's this company that did this one trailer, massive opening, and um, they were there. I don't know if they're highly renowned, but they were spoken of through. Through the Airstream world,
0: pretty,
2: you know, pretty highly, and um, I don't think they had the background to really kind of tote that. But uh, this trailer gets about halfway across the U.S. and the and the frame splits. It was built in the East Coast. It was gonna go to the West Coast. It gets halfway across, and the entire frame splits. It's got to go to another shop. They got to rebuild the whole entire thing to get it on the road to meet this this one activation date. And it's like, you know, it 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 it's really shitty because it's hard there there's no governing, there's no check and balance for for some of these fabricators. And some people just do it to be like, yep, get the check, send them on their way, and that's it. You know, yeah. no quality control, none of it.
3: That's scary, man. Yeah. I mean there's there's the exact same thing in the automotive world you know i'll 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 get stuff in at my shop that oh hey it was at this shop for this and this and then i look underneath it and i'm like well don't go there again you know like i've I've seen some sketchy stuff uh particularly with electrical electrical is one of those things that you just you don't want to mess with you know i i've i saw this one vehicle and i told him i was like i'm not working on this i was like i'm not gonna get blamed for whatever anyone else has done um because this is bad
4: it's a liability uh, for you
3: oh it's a liability for me it's a liability for my shop i mean Mm -hmm. i'm pretty much covered you know just be where i work at but i don't want to get i don't want the blame you know i don't want the the conversation that's going to happen like oh hey what did you do and then sure enough um within i think a month it burned to the ground on the side of the road
0: (laughs) damn that's bad
3: yeah, I got pictures sent to me like, hey, you remember this vehicle you refused to work on? Here's, here's what it looks like now. And it's just a smoldering pile of ash. Burnt to the ground. <laughs> oh, it was awful. Yeah. I mean, it was the best thing that could have happened to that car. But still, I mean, yeah. man,
0: cars, cars no burn one good
3: too. Yeah, they do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> new ones with the batteries.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw a picture of a line of Teslas at a dealership the other day. It looked like the whole like the whole line of Teslas. I'm not speaking bad about Tesla. If there's any lawyers listening, I want them to be fully aware. This is just an observation that I saw on the Internet, a picture of Teslas that have burned down. I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with the battery system or anything else with Teslas. Please do not come after me. I'm making no insinuations whatsoever. I just saw a picture of Teslas that were burned to the ground.
0: That's historic for battery cars, though. I'm sure with the Teslas, it was like one defective one caught the rest of them on fire or something, but do you remember way back in the day the Chevy volts yeah, and there was, there was like a flood at a Chevy Volt factory, and like all the lithium batteries caught on fire yeah
2: yeah, you think they would they would kind of work their way around that, but man there's once those batteries go up it's so it's so sketchy It's impressive. I mean, yeah, have oh, you ever, How many gallons of water does it take to put out a, a battery fire versus like a normal fire? Isn't it like four you, times you the amount of water?
3: No, you can't use water because it's electrical. It'll it'll electrocute everything. So you have to have a sp- specific type of extinguish and extinguish. Ex- extingu-
0: the foam uh, stuff. Oh, yeah, no
3: but yeah, it can't be liquid um, because it's a, a car battery fire. And in fact, there's been multiple cases where they just have to let it burn. Um, That's wild. On the TV show, The Grand Tour, um, Richard Hammond crashed a Rimac, which was a a concept. It was the Rimac Concept One. It was this this hypercar that was fully electric, and it was unbelievably fast. And he flipped it down uh, a hillside, and it caught fire, and it burned for days. Because what will happen is it has all the multiple cells, and one cell catches on fire. It burns, and it burns for however long, and then it catches the next cell. And so it keeps going in this chain reaction and they just had to let it burn and just monitor it for like a week while it burned itself out.
2: That's wild.
0: (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. I don't see much of that in my line of work because, you know, I mean, air-cooled engines, it's just a 12-volt battery. But we see stuff where people let bearings go and they're like, I didn't hear anything. How could you know? (laughs) It's like a shaft just knocking around in a hole, you know, like (laughs) – some people are just oblivious to the damage that they're causing.
2: Yeah. But. Yeah, it's wild. You hear some stuff rolling down the road and you're like, dude, you got to check that out. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. We have right, inspections
0: guys. here, but they're ter- I I hate them, but they are kind of necessary, I think. If you yeah. live in a rust belt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me about still,
3: it. Yeah. I was going to say that about the, the, the airstreams. I, I forgot that you're up in Vermont. So, I mean, the East coast is notorious for corrosion and vehicles. I've seen pictures and I mean, I don't have to deal with that here. I mean, when I worked over on the coast, I mean, there was still a, you know, a decent amount of corrosion, but man, where I live, it's not nearly as bad as it is in other places.
0: We use yeah. a lot of acetylene.
3: Yeah. It's super bad
2: up here and it, and it sucks. Cause you know, you spend a bunch of money on a car and you know, Give it six years and it's it's already on its way out the door. And same pertaining to the Airstream, same same type of deal. They are a little bit be- little better, and luckily, you know, not a, pe- a whole lot of people RV in the winter time. So I feel like that's a saving grace. But yeah, if those things were run in the salt in the winter time, they it just eats into them super super bad and. They're, they're fully encased so it protects us the, the aluminum protects the steel but once it gets once it starts getting through it just it's like tin foil you can just poke your finger right through the the uh, underbelly on one of those and it's gone
3: oh man it's
2: bad it's super
3: well bad. and here's here's something that a lot of people don't know aluminum corrodes yep. and and people think that alumin is, aluminum is impervious but uh when when you see a, an alloy wheel that's been bathed in salt for a couple of years, it corrodes, and it doesn't just get pitting on the surface. Like it will corrode to where you can crumble it with your fingers. Yeah, and, uh, it doesn't doesn't look the same. It's not rusty, you know. It doesn't turn that rust color like steel does, but it still does corrode and it, it can degrade really quickly.
0: Yeah, and, chain, that,
2: and that powder is super sketchy too. Like
0: yeah, you don't want to breathe that in. In chainsaws, yeah. we call it the white death. Yeah, it, so exactly. If, so bad. If you, <laughs> Oh, yeah. If you get a little water in the crankcase of a chainsaw or something and it just sits in there, it's done. It's Bad. done. You take it apart and it's all white.
3: Hmm.
0: Even if you can clean it off, the integrity of the metal is compromised. And yeah, yeah it's it, it, weird how it works. Really
2: quick. Yeah. What's that called? It's called uh, filiform where um, it uh, it gets underneath the uh, like like it for some rims. If you have rims on a car. Right. And it's got a clear coat on it. Uh, that salt gets underneath there and it's like a little worm. It eats its way through and it's called uh, filiform. We get that on the Airstream super bad and it'll look like there's just worms crawling underneath the uh, clear coat. Oh. And once it's in there, it's, it starts embedding into the actual aluminum. So, you know, you got, you got to have like a $200,000 Airstream. You drive it through the winter and it gets just enough of that in there, man. Oh, there's, You got, you got to replace the aluminum if you want it to look new again.
3: Right. That's crazy. So are they, can you, can you replace like individual panels or or are you talking like a whole new shell at that point?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you can. So, and, and this is, this is probably why I've always um, kind of tried to stick to the older ones because. Excuse me, there is a there is a totally different type of metal that's used. It's 2024 T3, which is an aircraft grade um, aluminum. And that's that's really the beauty of the older, like pre-70s Airstreams. You can go into them. You can pull panels off. You can put brand new panels on. Um, even if you don't clear coat them, they they'll still stay shiny as hell for, you know, five to ten years. They'll just be immaculate. Um, the newer stuff is a 6000 series or 5000 and it's 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 not great. You could you could throw a tennis ball at it and it's it's going to dent whereas the old the old 2000 series you could throw a fucking hammer at it. It'll probably bounce off and maybe maybe leave a little bit of a mark. Like the tinsel strength on that stuff
3: is phenomenal.
2: It's it really
3: is unbelievable. Interesting. Yeah. So that okay so so that it's is that basically the main reason for like the draw. Because there's all like my whole life I've heard yes. about the draw to the old airstreams. And and is that the main reason? I
2: think that's one of the main reasons is and to your point what you brought up earlier is like the leak proof, the longevity, you know, they, they really do last a long time if they're taken care of. They do leak, they will leak, but nothing in comparison to the newer, you know, box air uh box trailers. Like there's there's just no comparison. A lot of the people I think I think that all begin from people, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, you know, they had this nostalgia. Their parents had one, their grandparents had one. It was in the backyard, you know. And it brings back this these happy memories of like when things were a little bit more simple, when camping was super super enjoyable, when it was a family thing, you know. There was there's a lot around it and I I really think that that's the main draw around it. Um And then there's the longevity and you, you throw in a couple other things, but the one thing I always hear people is the memories, the nostalgia, and that's, that's a huge enjoyment for a lot of people when it comes to that stuff.
0: The sentiment. Yeah. Airstreams were the shit in the golden age of America. Yeah. Like when we were at our peak is when Airstreams were at their peak.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And people hold on to that stuff for a long time. And as you know, that's, that's the American dream. That's, that's what we all want to still hold on to and and keep pushing for. So it's important. Very cool.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think, Hey, this is a great spot. I think we need to throw in an ad for one of the people that uh, sponsor this show.
0: Let's do it. Let's hear about maritime knife supply.
4: (laughs) Hustle and grind is sponsored by maritime knife supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? 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 Thanks, Luke. (laughs) Alright, guys. What
3: do you, do you guys feel Noah? like, I was gonna, just, just going to ask if you wanted to play a game of fake news. Yeah, let's oh, do it. it.
4: It's
3: time for some fake news. Police warn that flushing drugs could create hyper-aggressive meth alligators. They say man with no hands and no legs is armed and on the run. A man admitted to the hospital with 25 plastic toy horses inserted in his rectum. Doctors have described his condition as stable. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to play everybody's favorite game, fake news. I have three stories in front of me. Two of them are absolutely real, happened right here in the US of A. One of them is fake facade, fake news, satire. It is all of you listeners' job, Ryan and Justin, to guess which one is the fake. Are you ready? Ready. Here we go. Woman arrested for defecating on boss's desk after winning the lottery, only to find she misread the numbers. (laughs) Next up, Oregon man driving stolen car crashes into woman driving another stolen car. Both arrested. And lastly, wanted Florida man tries to throw cops off with a sign reading, quote, Johnny Yates does not live here. Oof.
1: (laughs)
0: Uh, I'm going to go, you go ahead, Justin. Sorry.
3: I'm, I'm going to probably go with Florida. You think the Florida one's the fake one?
0: Yeah. Which one is the Florida one? Is the that the pooping Florida, on the desk?
3: No, that was the Florida man trying to throw the cops off with a sign saying that he doesn't live there.
0: Yeah. I mean, that seems quite methy. <laughs> like something somebody on meth I, know, I feel do. like i
2: feel like i feel like you, there's a little bit in here that's trying to throw me off too because i feel, i don't know i feel like all of those could be pretty realistic <laughs> no famous. famous
0: <laughs> uh i feel like the poop desk one is real so yeah. i'll go with, i'll go with justin we'll say the sign guy was fake
3: I feel like Ryan's just been agreeing with our guest for, like, the last, like, <laughs> six episodes. He's not even, like, trying to figure it out. He's just like, yeah, I'll just show some solidarity, whether we're right or wrong. I'm going to go with the guest on it. <laughs> I'm not even trying. Like always wrong.
2: When was it? We'd go by numbers one, two, or three. Let's just pick. <laughs>
3: All right. I'll read them one more time, and you guys can just make up your minds. Okay, here we go. Woman arrested for defecating on her boss's desk after winning the lottery, only to find out she misread the numbers. An Oregon man who was driving a stolen car crashed into a, w- a woman driving a different stolen car. And a Florida man tries to throw off the cops with a sign that read, Johnny Yates does not live here.
2: Yeah, I'm going to still go with Florida. Where, so where was the first one from?
3: Like, uh, where, is, where is that? I just copied the headline. Sorry. I, oh, I don't okay. Know. Because I, I, like, I feel like there's some weird shit
2: that goes on in Oregon. I feel like there's some weird shit, definitely weird shit that goes on in Florida. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Florida because <laughs> I, I, I got a feeling about this.
0: <laughs> okay.
3: All right. Ryan, what you got? You
0: stick I'll with stick it? stick with it. Yeah.
3: All right. You're both wrong.
0: God damn Was it the desk pooper? Oh,
3: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's absolutely the poop desk. Yeah. So... <laughs>
2: See, so you got to give us more. I feel like I feel like if you told me that was also from Oregon, I'd be like, "Yeah, that's that's definitely that could definitely be real." <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, uh, man, I can't remember what I was gonna say. Okay, so the original headline just read that the woman was arrested for defecating on her boss's desk. I added in the only to realize, only to find that she misread the numbers because I thought that that might be like a little bit more of an indication that it was kind of fake, <laughs> like. Like, what are, the, what are the odds that you, like, go to the point to where you actually, like, poop on your boss's desk without verifying the numbers? Like, come on. Man, um, I, um, I, I, really the money. Think,
2: I really think somebody's got to Google this and look this up because I bet you anything there's probably a lot of fucking weird shit. Like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, real quick, uh, the the fake one uh, sent in by uh, Kyle Cage, Daily Knives. Thank you very much, sir. Go check that man out. Um, I just recently picked up a... What, what do you call it? A uh, pinstock uh, cutting sled from him. And I absolutely love it. So that thing is super oh, awesome. I, I use that a lot this week. Um, the organ band driving the stolen car sent in by uh, Nick Tobin, who was on the show last week. So everybody knows who uh, pickle cutters is. And the, uh, the one that fooled both of you guys uh, sent in by Brad trucks, of trucks, custom cutlery. So thank you all very much for contributing to the show. We appreciate you guys.
2: Oh yeah, Faux show. Sure.
3: Absolutely. All right. What was next so, on the list, Ryan?
0: Next on the list of what? I lists?
3: Know, yeah, like, oh, sorry, you don't use lists. <laughs> yeah, my lists. bad. Yeah, who has yeah.
0: lists? <laughs> so well, I was sure. curious. Do you ever get any orders for things that aren't restorations? Like, does anybody want to turn one of these into like a food truck or?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've built, uh, if, uh, if you're on Instagram, I think it's like, uh, what is it? It's SF bar cart. Um, it's a bar that I built for a guy out in California and it's, uh, he actually has two of them now, but the first one I built, um, designed and built, and that is essentially the side is a gull wing. It opens up and out the bar actually folds out from the inside and um, there's taps, like beer taps, on the side. There's two kegs on the front. There's a keg on. Oh, was it two? Yeah, two on the front, one in the back. Um, so we did that one. There's a there's a couple other ones that were done. Food concession bar. Uh, Shit, who else? I I know I'm forgetting like two or three other. We've we've done one for like. The brother Adele Computers, um, the bar car worked with a with a couple high-end uh, companies. I I I can't still can't say. I think they're technically still under NDA, but um, yeah, yeah, we absolutely get we we get weird shit, man. Um, I did uh, one of the coolest ones I actually did was a fully off-grid airstream. It was like a 20 28 foot airstream. It was completely and totally totaled. It was it was deemed garbage. Um, I got it, brought it back to Vermont, ripped it all apart, put every every sheet, every rivet, all brand new, from the ground up. Put a six inch lift kit in it. Yeah. Did a whole custom interior. is for a guy who's an architect and a designer. He knew exactly what he wanted. And um, we put like at the time we broke the record for most solar on an airstream. It was like. think it was like 940 watts of solar on the roof like this thing could live a lifetime on its own no never needing to be connected to power a composting toilet like a spa style like bathroom with like teak on the floor teak up the walls wow super super cool it was out of this world though this guy was just like he had the money to do it and he's been dreaming about it since he was a kid and it was like his lifetime goal so he we built it for him. That one took that one took over a year. It was a massive project and topped out at more than most people spend on a house. But it was it was an amazing project. It was a great experience too. Like to be able to push the limit that far. We put a we actually this is cool. We put a uh, ladder on the side. Uh, I I custom built and fabricated a roof rack that went on the top. And on top of that roof wrap, we blew a hole through the ceiling, cut a big hole, and put a pop top, an automated pop top camper on the top. So you know, like the ones that people put on their their forerunners and stuff that pops up and you sleep in it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah, one of those on the top of an airstream.
2: <laughs> oh my nice. gosh! Yeah, yeah. So, it was it was pretty radical.
3: So you said you did a six-inch lift. Was this a you said it, was it a twenty-eight foot? Was it a double axle or?
2: Yeah, twenty-eight foot double axle, and we actually put in two doors. So there's a door in the front and a door in the back.
3: That's huge. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you have yeah. pictures of this, like on your Instagram or anything? Yeah, I it, it.
2: actually. Uh, so I I gave my personal handle, but um, it's it's my business one. It's uh, I got I got a ton of pictures. It's uh, yes, people production. need to see
4: this. Yeah, ESK look product.
2: up yes ESK Productions um, okay. on Instagram and there's there's a ton of pictures. Like I did a whole slide of it all on there and you can you can check them out. It's it's unreal. It was it was probably a cool stamp thing I've ever built.
3: How far That's back do sweet. I have to scroll?
2: Um if you're on so if you go to my personal if you go to my personal ESK Lifer, just tap on the at the at link. It's at ESK Productions.
3: Yeah, right well, on I'm on I follow both of your pages, so I'm already here. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: Yeah. Just, uh, Oh, i never mind.
3: I see it. It's right there. It's right
2: there. there. Yeah. It should be like the second thing under the gondolas.
3: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Look at all those freaking. (laughs) Oh my. This is terrible, uh, terrible audio podcast, but, uh, seriously, uh, you, you listeners, you need to go check this thing out. Like that is insane.
2: Yeah, the, the countertops in there were, like, 200-year-old white oak, like, reclaimed what? white oak. Like, I I custom fabricated, like, a metal foldable table because he, he didn't want a permanent table. The whole bed in the front, or the whole seating in the front turns into a bed. Like, everything just took so much. I mean, we're down to, like, an inch of room for, like... The table to go under the couch and storage and you know is this a battery sauna? bank and yeah
3: is this is this a sauna in in this? <laughs> it
2: it looks it's actually just a shower, but doesn't it okay. look like a damn spa?
3: It does. It looks it's incredible, insane. man. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh, that is it's so. Radical. The pop up on top is huge. I mean, that is just <laughs> nuts. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, to that point, like the, the structural engineering that we had to go through to make that like you,
1: well, yeah, you cause the roofs of these are the
2: like one human on top of there. And that's, that's, that's about enough. You don't want to put any more than that. So like the whole thing was designed to basically cradle the roof and restructurize the shell. So you can put, um, I think we had to hold something like 650 pounds was our, our top out limit because they wanted gotcha. two kids plus solar plus the <laughs> weight of the pop up, which is like 250 pounds. Like That's you start doing the numbers me, on all this yeah. shit and you're like, holy crap.
3: <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Well done, man. That is such a cool build. And And again, I mean, so... I want I'm just curious, where did this attention to detail come from? Like what, what part of your life, like you told, you know, you kind of grew up in the trades. Your dad was in construction. Like where, where is this like fine tooth comb that you just have in your brain? Like, where did that come from? Like what, is there something you can point to in your life that brought that forward?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, so my father was not a finished carpenter. He was, he was very rough. Like everything he did, he, he did so many things in his life. He was just like 900 different directions all at once. And none of them were ever really finished. They were never neat, clean, tidy, anything. And I I don't know. I feel like it was a mix between that and just like not wanting to have any sort of chaos in, in that world. So I kind of just like had to pick up where he left off certain things and I was like, all right, well, he got me this far. So I'm going to make it fit and finish and, and clean it up. And I feel like I spent a lot of time, you know, doing that. And he also had me come in and I, I started doing finish work for him. So yeah, I, I feel like it had to do with that, seeing the chaos and then being like, all right, well, I want to, I want to take it a step further than that.
3: Interesting. So it's just like a natural growth progression from, a your childhood and then B the like the start of the your, your professional career that's just the way that yeah. it happened that's so crazy that's such a natural outgrowth of that
2: yeah like that's- yeah and and i mean i grew up on job sites i i've been building i've been run. I'd, i started running crew when i was like 10 years old so you know the job <laughs> the job sites were very very regular thing and and watching how i think I think a lot of it, too, was watching how other people did work and, you know, critiquing it and having to be the guy that comes through and says like this. Yeah, this room is done. It's ready to rock and roll or, you know, you guys fucked up. You got to go back in there and fix all the jams and the finish and, you know, paints falling off the walls, so on and so forth. So
3: I'm trying to imagine the uh, what, what goes through the head of of a 30 to 40 year old construction worker when a 10 year old comes out and says, yeah, you guys fucked up. You're going to have to redo this.
2: Oh, they, they hated it. I mean, even, <laughs> even, even into like my twenties and thirties, people, people still look at me and they're like, you know, how, how is it even possible that you have, you know, 20, 28 years into this, 20 years, how, like, how is that even, you know, and they, they don't like being told what to do and never have. So it's definitely an uphill battle and it's really hard. And I feel like I do feel like a lot of people, um, deal with that too, though, you know, uh, people look down and they're just like, you know, how, how, how are you a professional? Why, why should I trust you to do this? Why I'm going to give you a bunch of money to do this. And it's like, well, you know, some of us earn, we earn our right to be able to do that. And we've spent the time and a lot of, a lot of time into it, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. That, that comes into like, uh, an interesting thing that we as knife makers and i think all craftsmen and artists deal with is imposter syndrome yes and and also the reverse of imposter syndrome where you're not as good as you think you are or you, you know what i mean that ha- that's that's a sickness out there too that a lot of guys are not as good as they think they are
2: yeah but, that's that's but, such a good way to put it and that, and that's very very true
0: yeah and and it's we, hard uh, for clientele to to sift through who is who is humble who is not humble who is legitimately as good as they say they are or who's even better than they think they are Um, because I think those are the people that people really if you're going to be out there spending your money you want to find that guy that's not he doesn't think he's as good as he actually is because that's when you're going to get the work that is his absolute best because he's striving to prove to himself or herself that They are as good as they want to be, and they might already be there. You know, that's really, you nailed it, man. That's, that's, yeah,
2: yeah, that's super important. I feel like that's super important for a lot of people to hear, too, because the imposter syndrome thing is real. It's, it's, and it's a really tough thing to deal with, too, because, you know, people that forge their own way in a lot of these different industries, doesn't matter if it's, you know, carpentry, knife making, finish work, whatever, you know, you name it, it. some people forge their own way in it, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's good, bad. You know, you could have mentors all you want, but a lot of us just fight our own way to the top, and a lot of it's trial and error. and And the people that are humble about it and really, really want to progress, those really are the hidden gems that create fucking like work that is just top notch. And there's always a little bit of that imposter syndrome in there. It's it's tough, but. It's a part
3: of it, man. It really is. Yeah. It is, yeah. So you guys got all serious. I wanted to I wanted to kind of go back and say something that was kind of funny. Um, so we <laughs> at, at, at my shop, where <clears throat> my day job, the youngest guy in the shop is our drivability guy. So if you don't know what that is, he deals with electrical, he deals with, you know, your car's running, but it's not running right. You know, if, if that makes sense, we're yep. talking about like a 25 year old that still knows how to tune a carburetor. Like he learned from a, a master who knew what he was doing and he's, but he's still the youngest guy in the shop. And so he gets all of like the kind of weird stuff, you know, just random electrical issues and that sort of thing. And we had the, if you've, if you've ever spent any time in a shop, you know, that the worst customers are the ones who have the fanciest cars. Yes, And sir so there was this guy that had this Corvette and he brought it in for something and he wanted to talk to the mechanic that was going to be working on it because we're talking about the kind of people who want to stand there and watch you work on their vehicle, which Mm. isn't allowed. They should
2: be shot. It's not allowed. They they need to pay more.
3: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So anyways, so he comes up and he wants to talk to this guy, youngest guy in the shop. And he straight up, you know, looks at the service manager and looks at the tech and says, I'm not letting this guy work on my car. He's too young. What do you know about Corvettes? And <laughs> there was some choice words that, that came out of uh came out of the mechanic's mouth. I don't remember exactly <laughs> what they were, but uh, I mean, there was no one more qualified in the shop to work on his Corvette. I mean, this kid yeah. drives a Corvette, you know. And don't get me wrong, I give him crap about it. You know, I asked him when he bought it if it came with a free <laughs> ARP card, but uh, that's just that's what he wants. It's it's what he works on. You know, it's a fast car. He likes it, you know, whatever more power to him, but like no one more qualified to, you know, to be working on this car in the shop. And this customer has the audacity to be like, you know, I have kids older than you. You can't work on my car. And it's like, you don't even know the guy. You've never seen what he's done. You have no idea what this kid's been through to get where he's at now. And you're just going to blow him off because of his age. Like, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. And it was funny too. Well, and it was funny to, to the rest of us because, you know, we knew who he was talking to and it's like, no, you don't know, you don't know anything <laughs> by all means. Take it somewhere else. Go for it. Yeah. You know, have fun yeah, with
0: have that. Yeah. <laughs> I've which, that how... happen at my job.
3: Yeah, I'm sure you yeah. have.
0: Because, I'm, you know, I'm tattooed. I'm covered in tattoos. And oh yeah. we, we had a guy who was like just berating me about ignition coils one day. And my, my coworker put it perfectly. He said, Ryan, put on the lab coat because I was like, do you even understand how a ignition coil works? And I started drawing up on that. We have a big whiteboard out on the front counter. And I was drawing on the whiteboard like they have two coils inside of them, a primary and a secondary. And when the magnet passes by, it builds charge in the primary and it releases the charge to the secondary, which releases that charge into the spark plug. And the guy was just like, <laughs> i look dumb i'm not fucking dumb i can <laughs> fix your yourself it's so frustrating when that stuff happens too because well, you, you know it's a guy that can't change dumb. his own tire
2: exactly yeah exactly yeah i feel like i feel like you guys get this more than anyone too you know like fuck me and kayla walk into just about anywhere and they look at us and they're like these fucking, these <laughs> fucking moms here. Like, we we're just we just went to go get a car we got to get a car um Yeah, we walk in there and you know, this guy, they just look at you and they're like, these guys probably don't have two nickels to rub together. And they're like, come on, (laughs) you know, tattoos and I still got my work boots on and, you know, just immediately judged super quick, but yeah, that's our world. This is what we live in. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, how
3: old are you, Justin?
2: Um, shit, I'm going to, I'll be 40 in March.
3: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. The big four. Yeah, you're you're al- almost to a respectable age, then.
0: I exactly.
3: <laughs> I know. Hopefully, hopefully.
0: <laughs> We're cursed, though. Us '80s babies age better than any other generation.
2: Dude, that's so real. I, yeah. I, I swear to God, man. I I look. I look at some people. I'm like, damn, dude. I'm thankful. <laughs> I'm doing great. I think.
0: <laughs> My coworker, we look similar. Like we must be from like the same ancestral heritage or something we look like we could be <laughs> brothers he's 10 years younger than me but he looks older than i am yeah I'm
4: like, yeah yeah I, do. I got <laughs> friends that
0: are at least
2: seven eight years younger than me and i'm like dude that's got no hair going gray i mean i got a couple of grays. don't get me wrong but you no know, shit Forty years old. I didn't even think I would make it to forty. So I think I'm
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes for most most people in the millennialish generation, right there. We expected the world to end sooner. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. You got a baby I on the way. Did a lot of
2: stupid shit too. I mean,
4: yeah. There's man, that. The,
2: the stuff we did growing up, it was out of control. I we definitely shouldn't have made it past a certain age.
0: <laughs> we were the first generation to eat like processed trash food. Oh, yeah. and for and for yeah. some reason, we're just still kicking.
2: It's <laughs> it's like, that's why. Maybe we got the right preservative at the right time, and it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. like in our bodies preserved for the next like fifteen years at least. Maybe after that, we'll go downhill.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh man, Ryan let's let's hear from uh, let's hear from one more sponsor, and, uh, and then we can kind of finish this up. I think.
4: Uh, yeah, Phoenix
0: Abrasives.
4: Get it. Hustle & Grind Podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-Grit Ceramic Belts, along with the Trizact Gator Belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order.
0: Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Before we wrap this up, there was one one other thing I wanted to ask you. And you have the unique perspective. You're the first guest we've ever had that's married to a knife maker. So you have the perspective of the spouse of one of us. Yes, sir. I I was curious, what's it like being married to a knife maker and have you noticed any similarities in the knife making process that can be translated into your processes or vice versa? Does that make yeah, sense?
2: That's, that's a good, yeah, that's a good question. Um, there are a lot of similarities in terms of the understanding of, um, metals and materials, heats, uh, temperatures, essentially, um, and a couple other fine things like that. Um, but also to the same effect, it, it's, it's totally different too. Like for, for example, sheet metal, um, it's exact. Everything is exact. Um, what Kayla does is a lot, of, she does a lot of custom forging and stuff. And there is, there is so much uh, uh, creative leeway in that, which is so enjoyable and so freeing. And I think that's one of the things that I enjoy most when I'm able to work in the shop with her is, um, I, I come from a world that's very fit form finish. Like, like you guys are saying, you see, you see the quality of it. Everything has to be exact. Your measurements are exact when it comes to sheet metal. I mean, if you're off like a a 32nd or a 16th, like it's a big deal when it comes to a lot of that stuff, it's not, um, so yeah there there are a lot of similarities but also to the same point and and i was thinking about this the other day quite a bit um there there isn't at the same point you know
3: hmm. but uh, that's, that's, that's very interesting yeah and that's and it's it's funny you, you really captured exactly what so many of us knife makers love about it you know because we come from a world you know whether it's from a desk job or you know different trades you know i I have to torque things down to a very specific, specific torque spec for every bolt. I have to have a new bolt here. I have to clean this surface before I put a new gasket on it. Exactly. And then I get in between a forge and an anvil and it's whatever I want it to be. You know, it's, it's, it's freeing. Um, There was one other thing that you, I, I forgot. I wanted to ask earlier on in the show. I saw you guys just picked up a, a new location. What's that about?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we just moved our, our shops in together, um, we needed something a little bit closer to home, you know, the kiddos on the way and we both our, our work is just both suit is like really important to us. So to be able to uh facilitate that without driving, you know, like 30, 40 minutes, you know, to the shop and then coming home, it, it just chews up so much time. So we got something a little bit closer to home and, um, we we found this spot that's just it was just fucking magic for both of us and um, I was able to get her shop and my shop in together and um, we we got a I, I don't want to say too much because we got we got some cool shit coming and you guys will you guys will see it tune in, okay. tune in to her Instagram and mine and and we got some fun stuff coming up but uh, yeah the shop is fucking amazing it's it's everything that we are. And um, there's going to be some really, really cool shit that we're coming out with in, in the years to come.
0: Nice. Financially, that probably makes way more sense, too, to consolidate the overhead.
2: Yeah, yeah. Our The cost of our shops go down because, I mean, my shop was like 40 minutes in one direction. Her shop was 30 minutes in another. So, you know, by the day's end, you know, we're burned out. And a lot of the times we like to, you know, come home, we'll eat and they'll be like, fuck, you know, I, I got enough to go go do another, you know. 40 minutes and two hours or something like that of work, you can't, you're not, you're not going to get in the car and drive 40 minutes for that. But
3: when it's right down the
2: road, we'll be there.
3: Nice. Yeah. That's super awesome, man. I'm happy for you guys. You're able to do that. And that's such a cool thing. You know, I mean, not, I mean, not every, basically no one, I mean, has the opportunity to, you know, like work with their spouse. I mean, for some people that would be a problem. But it doesn't sound like that's the case for you guys. I mean, when we were talking to no, when we were talking all. to her when she was on the show. I mean, she we were kind of asking her, you know, like, hey, you know, separation, you know, what do you get, you know? And she's like, no, I love it. We're hanging out all the time, and yeah. that's so cool that you guys have that relationship where you can work together or at least in the same vicinity. And I, I mean, that that's yeah, so we
2: cool. we work great together, you know, and and I and I can't say that for a lot of people, you know. There's there's probably two people two people in this world that I I can enjoy thoroughly enjoy working together with and she is by far one of the the most enjoyable we just we have a great time and everything we're doing it doesn't it doesn't matter whether it's you know we're outside or in the shop it's it's equal grounds for us and we're both super driven when it comes to work so if you're able to put those two things together and you know you you can tolerate each other <laughs> <laughs>
0: most definitely do it's
2: yeah it's it's just awesome we have a fucking great time together
0: it's just it's a blast nice and and you each have free help because hey come hold this yeah yeah we we saying this for me real quick i'm a little behind yeah
2: that's that's so important too like even just asking a simple question be like hey what do you think about this how does this look you know like doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you know it's her asking about a knife or me asking about you know something i'm i'm fabbing up it doesn't matter it's like what how do, how do you like this? And little outside input goes such a long way.
3: Well, especially when nice. it's from someone you trust. You know, if it's, yeah. you know, if it's, you know, any normal day job, you're going to be surrounded with people whose opinions, uh, man, you really just don't care about. Whereas, yeah. you know, somebody you know, <laughs> you know has. They're not going to bullshit you. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. going to get honest, honest feedback. And you know that their opinion is actually something that you care about, that, that is really going to steer you in the right direction. Somebody that has your best interest at heart, you know, giving you advice. I mean, that's. That's super
0: helpful.
2: 100%. Yeah.
0: So I want to, one last thing before we close out the show and switch over to the after show. Let's talk about tools. And I think I know the answer to this question already, but what's your favorite line of tools?
2: Oof. So I'm going to have to, uh, yeah, you you probably, yeah, exactly. Uh, I got got a shitload of fucking uh, Milwaukee. (laughs) <laughs> uh, dude i got pack out for days
0: <laughs> i dream about a milwaukee sponsorship just because i've i've got so much of their tools it's ridiculous yeah
2: yeah i got i got a shitload of tools you know what so my big i i had a really big shop i had like a ten thousand square foot shop and uh for like doing the airstreams and stuff and i i shot that down a while ago um i do much smaller scale stuff now but um I had so many tools it's it it took me like almost two and a half years to liquidate the amount of tools that I had. So now I'm down to like a tool trailer and you know, our, our small little shop set up, but man, I
0: I'm a tool addict. I got so many fucking tools. (laughs) And Milwaukee's just the best. It is nothing even close to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I got a drill. I got my first, uh, Milwaukee drill shit i think it was like nine and a half years ago batteries are still going tools are still going the impact driver it was like one of the doubles the uh the impact and the uh just the regular drill with the hammer bit in it man i abused that thing for 10 hours a day for like three years at least things still going nice that's, yeah. that's
4: everything
3: right there man that's yeah. it right there <laughs> yeah I, I, I tell you, and and people people will give me shit about this, but I had all Snap on electrics for our, you know impacts, you know three quarter quarter drive, all that stuff, and I got so tired of sending it out to getting it repaired. And since I got Milwaukee, I've had I had one failure on a Milwaukee, and it was my fault, and because I abuse stuff. Really, really? No shit. That's
2: that's super interesting going up against uh, Snap on like that. That's.
3: You know, I, yeah. I I don't like the Snap-on stuff. I, I mean, I have a ton of Snap-on tools, you know, don't get me wrong. They're yeah. hand tools and, 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 you know, different stuff, um, but they're electric stuff. I just couldn't stand it. And once I switched to Milwaukee, I was so much happier. I mean, yeah. just miles ahead. I and mean, Maybe it's just they've been in that, that niche longer, the electrics, um, that Snap-on has because Snap-on was doing, you know, pneumatics for as, however long. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I've had so much, and I have people fight me on this all the time, but guess what? I'm on a podcast, and you're just listening, so (laughs) if you want want to shoot me an angry DM, you can, but it's not going to do you any good, because it's just my experience, it's just my experience, Milwaukee blows Snap-on out of the water for electrics, and that's just They do, we embarrassed our Snap-on driver
0: one day. Decent. Yeah, we had a dead battery and we couldn't get a bolt out. And he's like, oh, you want me to snap that bolt off? I'll go grab the snap-on gun. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. He comes in, can't get it out. I put a fresh battery in the Milwaukee and zip, zipped it right out. And he's like,
2: <laughs> "Yeah, I better, have, man. I actually have the three-quarter inch driver. And that, man, that thing is, it's a game changer, man. Uh, that thing pretty much just lives in my truck. If there's ever any issues, I was <laughs> like, All right, I'll change the tire in about fucking 10 seconds. We're good to go. <laughs>
3: yeah yep. buddy yeah <laughs> there you go all right well hey justin we really appreciate you coming on the show man that was For this sure. has been a lot of oh, fun man. and it's, it's so it great well. to get a different different perspective than what we normally get from you know just talking to knife makers and stuff so I, I think it was a lot of fun and i hope our listeners really got a lot out of it um real quick before we go one last plug um liquid iv is a drink additive that i use all the time uh, it's a little drink packet. You mix it in with your water. keeps you hydrated. It tastes great. Um, I drink one almost every day, although I'm out right now, so I need to make another order. Um, but yeah, if you go to liquidiv.com, it's because I drink it too much. It's my problem. Or my kids drink it too much. I don't know. <clears throat> um, but yeah, go to liquidiv.com. Use code Hustle10. and get you 20% off the order. I was watching the TV show Chopped last night, and I found out what a Seaberry is. Okay, because everyone everyone always asks me what's a sea berry because the sea berry is my favorite flavor of liquid IV. It's oh, what's it called? It's like a it's a hawthorn berry. That's what it is. It's a they call it a sea hawthorn berry. It was one of the ingredients in the baskets for the chopped TV show. But yeah, it's a hawthorn berry, and it, it's yeah. It's apparently it's a really delicious berry that's just not very common, so that's why we didn't know what a sea berry was. But now we do, guys, and this is breaking news. We know what a sea berry <laughs> is. Um, well, so I'm gonna have to look
2: that up because I'm I'm actually drinking liquid ivy right now. And Are you I've really? Never, yeah. yeah, I've never seen the sea berry, so I'm gonna have to double down and check out some sea berry.
3: <laughs> well, I can't find it in any stores. I can only get it online, and so that's why I was able to. You know, that's when I found it, it was when we when we got the sponsorship because I never ordered it online before. You know, I just pick it up at Walmart or Costco or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's so much cheaper to buy it off the website and use that code. I mean you just oh, yeah. you, you get it for way cheaper. So um well I'm on it. it they have way <laughs> more flavors online than they do in the stores. So it's definitely worthwhile to do that. So dig it. Anyways guys Ryan you got anything else? Can we uh switch on over to an after show?
0: Yeah we'll go to the after show promo code hustle ten at liquidiv.com get you twenty percent off
4: there
0: you go and this has been fun um we're gonna be doing more episodes like this I I don't want the show to get stagnant, so I've got some non-knife-making guests lined up. Justin, you're the first. Oh, Um, yeah. Appreciate it. I'm working on... We've got a guy who builds custom motorcycles from scratch. Um, Mean Mug Pistons is scheduled to come on. If anybody wants to check him out, he takes pistons and carves them into cool faces. Oh, that's cool. Um, So he's another artist. And, you know, working with metal, but he's doing it on a different medium. So I think that'll be interesting to talk to. And he's a cool guy. So um, next week, we've got something really special going on. So if you've made it this far in the show, you're going to hear it first. We got two no, you're, not
3: you're not to announce it, are you?
0: Uh, should I not?
3: I don't know. Do you want to announce it? or Do you want to just let it be a fun surprise?
0: Tease them. Man, yeah, something big's happening next week. Yeah, Yeah. you got something
3: big.
2: Come on, man.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be very tired next Sunday.
3: Yeah, it's going to be special, and it's going to be something that you're is one of those things that you're going to hear on the hustle and grind before you hear it anywhere else. And that's not all. There's going to be more, more cool stuff. So even more stuff. It's going to be awesome.
0: It could be the biggest week in the history of the show. I think
2: there, see, there you go. Now you're, now you're bait. Now, all dead. now yeah. you know how to tease it.
3: And you know what, you know what we're going to do. We're going to tell the people in the after show that, because we're about to go to an after show that only the people who support us on Patreon are going to get to listen to. So if you want to know what this news is now, you're going to have to go to patreon.com slash hustle and grind and sign up for as little as $1 a month to support our show. And then you can hear what this news is going to be. How about that? Oh, that's a good
2: idea. No, I say that's fair.
0: All right,
3: <laughs> Justin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on, man. This is a great. Oh yeah,
0: guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a blast. Anytime, man. Anytime. Oh yeah.
4: Bye.